Hey everyone, how are we doing? Uh, here we are with Mike Ruth, uh, our good friend Mike. That's what you always say. My, my good friend Mike. That's what I say, friend of the channel, our good friend Mike. Well, we've met a, lot, a few times and we've yeah. spoken multiple times and yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a, one of my friends. So, <laughs> Mike, uh, we want to uh, you know, we'll have a little interview with you because I, I do enjoy your work so much and you have uh, a lot of work coming out and uh, I just want to, uh, I, I promised everybody that in the new year I would, I would try and get as much content on the show uh, from comic creators. So Awesome. Awesome to have you on the show. Hey, How about very, you tell a little bit happy, about yourself? Very happy to be here, man. Um, yeah, I... Uh... Yeah, I'm. Uh, it's my first. Uh, I guess this is my first kind of interview uh, of the year uh, so far. So, uh, so that's pretty fun. Glad it's with you guys. Um, it's awesome to get to meet you guys uh, in Winnipeg at the Winnipeg Con. That was a lot of fun, and um, looking forward to going back to that show again uh, next year. Hopefully, if all goes well. But uh, yeah, today I thought I would uh, do a sketch um, on a black uh, Last Ronin number three. Uh, which was sent in to me by a customer here from here in Oakville, actually. Um, I didn't know he was in Oakville when I met him uh, or that he lived in Oakville. That was just a funny thing we discovered uh, when he was going to send me the book. And, um, yeah, I went and actually picked it up at his house uh, a couple weeks ago. And uh, I haven't had a chance to do any commissions lately because I've been just absolutely swamped with uh, with work. And um, so it was nice to just have an excuse to sit down and chat with you guys. And I'm also going to work on that guy's commission. So, um, so That's it's pretty good, cool because you have a few books in that last Ronin series that you did covers for. Yeah, number three wasn't uh, wasn't um, uh, wasn't one of them. I did uh, I did one for issue one and then one for issue four and five. Um, but yeah, number number three is a pretty awesome issue and um, would have been great to do a cover for all of them if we had known. It was one of those things where if we had known at the time, we probably would have booked for all five covers. Um, you know, back because shortly after we had everything confirmed for issue one, uh, that's when IDW closed its whole uh, retailer exclusive uh, uh, thing, uh, you know, program. And that actually that actually messed a lot of retailers up, but especially guys who suddenly were like, you know, having great success with the last Ronin and weren't able to get um, weren't able to get more issues lined up. Some guys were smart, though, and booked for five issues, like all five issues uh, straight from the jump. And they were able to uh, they were able to therefore land, uh, you know, different artists or different, uh, you know, the same artists in some cases uh, for every issue. So I was uh, really lucky after um, I finished issue one to be contacted by uh, Tommy Law at Yellow Snow Comics. Uh, who was uh, joint partnered with um, with Wicked Gator, uh, Chris Spencer at Wicked Gator, and uh, those guys, um, you know, gave me the opportunity to uh, partner up, not really partner up, but kind of go almost head to head a little bit with uh, Aaron Bartling, um, who's a you know another uh, just an awesome uh, an awesome artist and an awesome painter uh, who has done Ronan covers as well, and uh, yeah, so. Um, that was a lot. Well, I was I was very lucky to be uh, even before I knew of you or I had, you know, even started dealing with Justin with Big Country. I was able to get one of your last run in uh, one. Oh, I nice! CG seated right away, and that I was very surprised because that was one of the books. Like all those uh, exclusive covers for that uh, number one have done very well, but yours is one of the ones that has done extremely well on on the secondary market value wise. So. Um, 
You draw a good turtle. No way to no way around it. You draw a good oh. turtle. So <laughs> thanks, man. Thanks. I mean, what I love uh, is when you do the remarks on these, and each one's so unique, and even some on your swamp things as well. But you really notice it the best on these Ronins, where it's just you add just you know one little bit here, one little bit there, and at one person's glance, they might not even realize that it's different from the main cover. But when you notice it, you're like, holy crap, that is awesome. Well, I, I appreciate that, man. I got lots of good practice on the, uh, on the on the Jenica number one cover that I did for Justin as well. That was actually our first our first big country comics uh, thing that we did, and um, it was um, you know it was it was cool because I left that snowy background, which meant that I could just sticking have objects sticking out of the snow, which was really really easy to uh, nice remark on and actually make the remarks a part of the uh, a part of the cover uh, that's something i've always liked to do i always hate see I, I kind of hate seeing you know the quick sketch of batman heads on like whatever dc comic it is or whatever you know if someone gets a remark i always try to if i can it's not always possible because you know sometimes a good idea uh, for a cover doesn't always come with uh, the room to make a nice remark um, it doesn't really stop me from doing remarks but it's just not part of the planning so you end up in some cases like the Swamp Thing ones having to do like a head off to the side or something because there's not really a lot you can integrate into the piece um, other than you know doing horns or things like that but with the turtles there's so many great little objects of uh, turning of you know mutant ninja turtle lore you know different ninja weapons of course but also stuff like fugitoid stuff or you know right. um, you know whatever so that's why when we or did body our, parts yeah exactly you know or, or <laughs> a little a little krang crawling in the background or something like that that's uh, the one i was going to mention is the krang yeah, the frozen krang on the on the jenicas was my favorite but yeah i got to draw a, a krang slithering up the sewer walls on my uh my ronin number one which was a lot of fun so uh yeah i just you know I, i've been a fan of the turtles since uh well, probably since 1984, when I first heard of them, um, you know, I think we had copies of the uh, the graphic novels. I still have them here, but we had copies of the, the the color collected edition of the graphic novels that came out, I think, in 85 or 86. Um, but before that, um, I was aware of the turtles from the Palladium uh, role playing game, uh, the old school, you know, dice and paper role playing sure game. Do. Um, and that, that book was incredible. And I actually regret to this day that I ever, I, I used to teach art for a living, um, you know, years ago. And I actually brought that book in because I just loved the drawings in it. And it was a, a course about, I was teaching about character creation and I naturally, a, a D and D style game book is the perfect resource for that to create random opportunities for students to learn and create different stuff. But what I loved about the turtles book was it had all this wonderful, uh, Kevin Eastman art back when his art style hadn't gotten into the kind of newer, more, more raw style that he draws. These were a little bit more precise drawings they were they were just wonderful like the mutant wolverine in particular stands out in my head um and um just the drawings were, were just amazing but i regret bringing it into that classroom because someone uh, ended up uh putting it in their gym bag and i never saw that student again and i I've, uh, I've, it was my original beaten copy of the book and i and i loved it and so i've been trying to find another one but it's uh sometimes they're pretty expensive i'm sure i'll run across one again one day yeah um, i i came across one one time too and the only reason i did pick it up because they were asking no uh it wasn't cheap so no it wouldn't be cheap but, you know the no. thing the thing about that book too was it created it's one of those instances where um you know there was additional turtles canon added to the whole world of turtles and it actually was the first instance where they actually gave the turtles statistics that could be measured in D D or gaming terms so like you know before right. that i'm reading the turtles and their black and white comics so unless the character's holding their weapon you don't know 
which turtle is necessarily talking unless they're addressed or someone else says their name. Um, so, you know, and then they all switched to red and the, they were all wearing red in the, in the first colored editions. But uh, in the book, the turtles book, there was this wonderful, uh, you know, they had the statistics. So it was like, you know, um, Raphael was the strongest and uh, the slightly, you know, the less, the least intelligent. But, um, you know, you had Donatello, who was the weakest, but the most intelligent. I was like, I always thought that was so strange because Donatello was, you know, the guy with the big bow staff. I always kind of think like the guy with the big weapon is the strong guy, you know. Um, but that so was a really. Do, do you use those? Do you use those stats to back up your arguments on whether a turtle can take out Jason or not? <laughs> no, you know what? I really should because there's people out there that want to fight me on that. Uh, I know, yeah, I know. That that's funny, yeah. Man, those are some interesting conversations to have. Yeah, when I posted that, uh, and, you know, and again, that's funny. Like uh, the, the artwork that these guys are referring to. I'm not sure if I got a print of it handy. I might actually. Hang on, just a sec. We have we have one right here. Actually. Yeah, Tyler, yeah, okay. Right in, yeah. So it's yeah, the yeah, turtles fighting Jason, up. and like the comments were like, "Oh, well, why is John? oh, there's no way the turtle." would defeat Jason and or there's no way that he could defeat the turtles and you know the the one that killed me though was a guy who was like um excuse me but uh katanas are slashing weapons they're not stabbing weapons so why would Leonardo have stabbed Jason with his both katanas that's just ridiculous and I was just I was just like <laughs> dying laughing I was I thought it was just this hysterical that these people were so yeah. serious about why is Jason 10 feet tall well let me tell you about He's yeah. 10 feet tall. He's 10 feet tall because I drew that gigantic piece of artwork live without any kind of rough planning, start from scratch in three hours time for a live auction for Montreal Comic-Con. So I didn't have any time to put any thought into the drawing. I just started drawing. and I went To me, it, I don't see the disproportion. Like, I mean, Jason's a big dude to begin with. Like, he's supposed to be like seven or eight feet tall. Oh. And turtles are, they, they look like they're in battle stances. I don't think the turtles are any taller yeah. than four feet yeah, tall. Yeah, so this four is it, feet, right? so they look about the same. And so. it's, just, it's just one of those things where I, I just thought it was so funny and people got so mad. And the really sad thing is, that's like the most viewed piece of artwork I've ever done. Like, believe it or not, that piece of artwork has been shared and reshared and blogged and shared on cartoons. Well, that's artwork. the thing, right? Con controversy sells. So. It's it's so I, funny I to me. It's one of those age old questions, you know. Could could the turtles beat Jason? Was you know was the moon landing faked? It's just you, you, <laughs> we'll never know. This is it. This is it. It was so funny though. Like, um, yeah, like people were so upset about it and. Uh, it was this whole idea that they they was like, well, as if as if Jason could beat the turtles. And I thought to myself, well, suppose this was the cover of a comic book. I mean, would you go and buy a, like? I mean, everyone's going to buy a Turtles versus Jason comic book, of course. But if you think about it, if you if the cover of issue one has the turtles chopping Jason up into pieces and juggling his parts, you know, while 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 Raphael's roasting a piece of him over a fire on one of his on one of his blades, like no one's <laughs> there's no story there. But if you show the turtles, four turtles, all in jeopardy from an unstoppable undead killing machine, well, now you have a comic book that someone might be, well, how the fuck does this turn out? You know what I mean? So well, was... you, you might get a bit of a wish coming up in the spring because uh, Boom is putting out a Power Rangers versus Godzilla series. Oh, no kidding, eh? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. kind of fun. So you, you might get some uh, to get to fulfill some wishes there. Um, <laughs> that well, sounds like something you would do. That, it, it sounds pretty awesome. Yeah. 
while we are talking about turtles, do you want to uh, hype up your uh, your next big tags event there? Yeah. So on the fifteenth of January, on things are getting sketchy on Facebook and YouTube and Twitch and probably other places too, but at least those three places I know. Um, yeah. Hosted by Stefan and, uh, and I think actually I think this one is going to be hosted by Justin and I think also Eric Will and um, uh, the other Justin Justin Cooper from. Um, from Epic Tales of the Sewer, the podcast, are going to be uh, co-hosting. And I've got right. the great honor of sitting next to uh, Jason uh, Flowers and also Aaron Bartling, um, who are artists who've done covers for The Last Ronin. And I uh, you know, I really do feel like those two guys are, are such tremendous fans of the material. Um, you know, they're, they're really like me in that sense that they, they really respect and really feel the... Uh, the tremendous honor it was to be able to be a part of something like this. Cause you know, the last Ronin was a very special thing. And when I, when I whispered into Justin's ear months before this thing came out that like, Hey, this is one you should take a look at because I don't know if it was a fever dream or something I experienced in my childhood, but when I was watching and loving the turtle stuff before the cartoon ever came out, reading the comics and enjoying the fandom and reading all the fan letters and stuff like that, I remember like just, hearing somewhere or being somehow aware of this story that they had in mind for the last Ronin that was going to take place in the future with one last surviving turtle, which I think everyone had either determined or had assumed it was going to be Raphael. Uh, and I remember at the time just being so excited at the notion of it, like a post-apocalyptic turtle story with one surviving turtle left and, you know, an unknown future and, uh, and all this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I don't know if it's, again, I don't know if it's something that I imagined or something that I heard, but I, I feel like it's something that I remember Eastman and Laird talking about. I, I think before. it's a bit of both because yeah. I, because I've read, I've, I've read the director's cut of the last one in one, and I've seen a couple of different interviews with them on stuff and they did yeah. have those ideas and stuff, but they kind of got put on the shelf or whatever. And so you probably, yeah. it was probably your subconscious doing a bit of both. Well, it's one of those cases where, like, I think they had a, the story was originally set, and I knew this, the story was originally set in 2017, but because they had basically not spoken for 30 years or 25 years, it really put off the plans. And when 2017 came and went, and they actually reunited on that Toys That Made Us show or Cartoons That Made Us or whatever it was, yeah, uh, television show. Um, you know, that, that was a beautiful thing to see. And also I had this inkling then, oh man, I wonder if they're going to get together and do a story. And I wonder if it's going to be that story. And I don't know again, if this is just my impassioned mind leading me to this conclusion, or if it's something built on a memory, but I do have this memory or this, this etched picture in my head of a, the last surviving turtle battling into the future and battling the ancestors of the shredder. And, and all these things are coming, coming true. So, you know, it's just, it's just an odd thing. It's an odd thing that I, I puzzle over sometimes. Um, but uh, anyway, to be a part of it was such a huge honor. And I know that in the case of Bartling and, and flowers, like I know they both feel the same way. Um, just, a huge fandom and just a you know just an, a, an amazing appreciation for uh, for the for the characters and the and the history because it's you know the most successful and if you really think about it it's the most successful indie comic of all time I think you know so. it's uh, I think you know you can talk about the crow and you can talk about you know um, you know uh, I mean even Savage Dragon and Spawn and things like that that have gone a long time Grendel things that have made you know have gone on to become other things but nothing like the turtles I mean the turtles is, well yeah the, you know, like Spawn and Savage Dragon like you said they they have been huge as well too but they only mainly stayed in the comic medium right. whereas turtles is turtles itself is a medium 
Yeah, Turtles is its own machine. It really is. So, you know, it's kind of an awesome thing. And yeah, you know, like you don't ever imagine, you know, I mean, I've never, I never had, you know, a, a sense that I would ever get to work professionally, you know, when I was younger. So to to be such a young uh, person when I was a fan of the turtle stuff to be in my 40s now and to be able to actually draw it and, and directly for the publisher and and to get the approval of uh of, you know, of Eastman and Laird themselves is is just kind of a, a beautiful thing. So uh it's an amazing thing. Uh, sometimes my life doesn't even seem real to me. Uh, I know that's why I've said to Tyler for ourselves over the last year too, you know, having you no know, met and partnered up with Justin and meeting you and Casey and Hugh and working with you guys and you know, talking on interviews with other creative talent now it, it just keeps kind of blowing my mind so if it wasn't for stuff like that you know I'm sure the last two years would have been really rough to get through so yeah I'll be honest with you man um Justin has been uh instrumental in uh you know Big Country Comics has been instrumental in my my position in, in in my my life right now. I mean, you know, the the pandemic has hurt so many people and it's killed so many people. It's killed so many of my friends. It's made life intolerably hard for other people that I know of. And uh, you know, I'm just talking within Canada, but I know my friends in the states who are suffering even more. And um, you know, it's it's an awful situation. But in, in this weird kind of bizarro, you know, phantom world that we live in, I've had the best career of you know, imaginable. I, I've been able to do things in the last two years that I, I, I never would have been able to done. And uh, they've been able to do them because of Justin. And it's, you know, it's one of those, it's one of those things like, you know, right before the pandemic broke out, um, you know, we had really big plans, but it was only a few months before it broke out that Justin and I really, you know, kind of met and started collaborating together. And, um, you know, the summer, the summer and and fall before that, I was managed by Kirby Comics Art, and I, um, you know, it, it didn't, it didn't unfortunately end well. I won't go into details, but I, I ended up parting ways with, uh, with that crew, you know, with all love and respect. And um, I, uh, you know, kind of vowed to never, uh, you know, to never be managed by anybody again because I, I just. You know, there's a lot of stuff that didn't work for for me in terms of being able to manage my own Canadian business with clients that I have built myself over the last 25 years of my career. Uh, to suddenly have to suddenly have a barrier between those people who are like family to me uh, didn't make sense to my mind. So I, I had to end that situation. But with Justin, it was just different. Justin, you know, immediately wanted to just focus on my strengths. He wanted to immediately give opportunities where you know people could see my stuff in a bigger scale and, and you know be maybe more recognized than a lot of the indie books and aftershock books and some of those things that i've worked on you know that's always the thing when you're a comic book artist and people come to your table and you've got fan art on the table that you're selling and you haven't got any comics on your book you know on your on your on your desk and people say oh well what comics do you draw if you're a comic book artist and you know it was wonderful to be able to say things like oh i've drawn you know captain canuck and i've done covers for aftershock and i've done you know stuff like that and some stuff for image but like people never really have heard of those things you know and that's no it's no insult to those publishers it's just in the grand scheme of things people haven't heard about stuff like animosity necessarily they haven't heard about you know um about um you know jimmy's bastards or uh blood or things like this but but that's one of the main yeah sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you there but that's one of the main reasons that me and tyler uh formed the not daddy collectibles after justin was talking to us because I, I mean, I like the, the big two and grew up on them, but I also grew up on a lot of the indie stuff, much like you did. And yep. it was it was hard to get it then. And, and, and now I, I, there is much more of appreciation for it. 
And well, I want to make sure that stuff gets known. And that, that's what my show is about every week. We, and the exclusives and that. Like I, I, well, besides the expense of doing the, uh, an exclusive for a, a big major company, I like doing the indie stuff because it's a little less expensive. You get sure. to try a bunch of new stuff. And again, more exposure. So absolutely, well, yeah. And like you said, lots of stuff. It's all exposure. And like you said, Justin's done a great job for exposure for yourself. Um, I just got a message today, and I actually didn't even tell you about that on our Instagram account. And I have a picture of the cover up here. Is that Noctura cover that you did? Oh yeah. Um, a guy messaged us from Italy asking if we had any left, and Ooh. if we could send some out to him. Oh, oh I did. so you're you're getting recognized out in Italy, even? Yeah, well, I mean, I've always weirdly had uh, a fan base in Europe. I don't know why, but I um, before I even got into comic books, I was doing stuff like for different fantasy magazines, and and um, um, I had I had this like, this little German enclave that really liked my really liked my stuff. I don't know why, but it was a it was for Warhammer and things like this, and. Uh, so I already had kind of a small name forming on, in, in some of these fanzines and things like that, which, you know, I, I treasure those days because they were the days when I was getting started. And even though I already had a career doing children's books, I was not making a living at it. It was a really tough way to live. And I wasn't getting anything published that I wanted to get published. So when those guys like John Foodie at, uh, at, at, War, you know, at Warpstone started giving me opportunities to draw, you know, fantasy art and stuff like that, I, I started to get published in Europe before I was even published in North America. And so that was kind of cool to get, you know, fan mail or get notice or emails from people in Germany or Austria who really liked my stuff. And they're only seeing little quarter page illustrations in a black and white fanzine. Um, but that, that was those were the good old days when the Internet was still very young. And, um, you know, it was uh, it was really hard to get published, you know, really hard to get any kind of notice. So, I mean, that's been such a huge thing for Justin. I mean, uh, an illustrator can spend their whole career banging on doors and shouting at windows and setting off fireworks, trying to get attention from the right people and the right publishers but really what it takes is a third party sometime just to whisper in the ear of another person and you know and say let's give this person an opportunity like um there's no way i would have got i mean if you look at the chain of events a lot of the things that i've been able to get you know to had the privilege to work on are things that have kind of naturally fallen together um by reputation so what i mean is like you know doing a turtles cover and being a part of the tmnt actual canon creating artwork that goes into it and then you know transitioning from that all of a sudden you apply for other publishing opportunities and you know they say things like oh well you've done turtle stuff well we can we can definitely bet you for this so you're, you you suddenly find that after you know 25 years or 20 years of slogging through the mug to try to get try to get attention once you start having these little really poignant opportunities arrive um, all of a sudden other people started to take notice and, um, you know, which, you know, ultimately led to this year, you know, me doing a Swamp Thing cover, which is just like an unbelievable dream come true in the same way that doing a Conan cover was in the same way that doing Turtles covers were. I mean, these are the things that I love growing up as well. So to have a chance to work on them is just like, it's incredible. Like I can't, I can't even put a value on that. And, and I owe Justin. And now you're. You and know. now you're doing something uh, turtles adjacent uh, through Justin as well too at Big Country. You're doing uh, Usagi Ojimbo. Yeah, and that's another thing. Like I love Usagi Ojimbo comics too, and I love that I first met him in the Turtles comics, and then I had to go and get like 
everything I could with Osagi Ojimbo on it. And again, like, you know, growing up in Canada, rural parts of Canada, it's not easy to get those indie books, especially for the internet, right? So, yeah. So, I mean, having a chance to draw Usagi was fantastic. And I actually just sold the original of that piece um, this week, which uh, was the, probably the biggest sale of my career so far, which really surprised me, you know? Like, I I, I was kind of shocked. Um, not, not shocked that it sold. Like, I knew I was going to be able to sell it, but just that it would actually went for more than my turtle stuff has gone for, which I, I just thought was so crazy. I don't think I can part with my swamp thing uh, yet, but um, I may, I may one day, but um, yeah, it's uh yeah, it's, it's a crazy thing, man. It's a, I really don't know how to, how to brain it sometimes, you know, <laughs> it's uh, I can't believe it's real sometimes. And, you know, like I said, Justin and Leanne and Stefan and, and the machine behind, um, you know, big country comics. Like I, you know, that's led to other things. I mean, all of a sudden other publishers and other retailers reach out to me. They see me doing stuff and they, they want their own cover. Like that's how I was able to work with, um, you know, with Tommy law at, uh, at yellow snow, who was just an awesome dude. Like just one of the most awesome people I've ever met. And it was all because, you know, we saw my stuff with Justin and like, you know, wanted to, wanted to have another, have a shot. And, I was so lucky to have that, and uh, uh, that's how I met Aaron Bartling and all these other guys. So it's been the whole thing's been awesome. But really, it all began with Justin. I mean, I still put my time in my years in leading up to that, breaking into comics, and I've been published and done covers and pinups and things and other people's books. But when you start doing covers for Turtles and Conan, and you know, then you start moving up, you know, to the bigger the bigger stuff. Like I had no idea how big Noctera was going to be or how big Kaiju Scroll was going to be, and you know, they've been optioned for television or film. And, and things like that like it's just it's just it's huge it's awesome and, and that leads me to my next little comment slash question is you're, you're doing a lot of stuff for aftershock now. yeah and and uh, I, I myself aftershock is one of my favorite groups and i know we, we both got connections to it a little bit yeah. through the various people and that but um no, you're doing not just covers for them but you're doing their special uh aftershock happy hour covers which are kind of like only you no know, special editions for the show and that yeah. Uh, how do you feel about doing that? Because those the ones you're doing it for are big books, like your, yeah. your, your Bunny Mass, your your Chicken Devil, your uh, Maniac of New York yeah. now, the the New Bronx is Burning book. Like yeah, I mean that's been awesome. I mean I've always loved working for Aftershock. They've always they've always done right by me, and you know they've always um, they've always been cool and given me these opportunities. They were giving me opportunities when I was really a nobody, and you know for that I have I have Stefan to thank uh, because Stefan used to be the the retailer contact guy for you know uh, for exclusives. And some of my local, um, you know, um, Gotham Central and hip hop comics here in the Yokeville area, they they wanted to do, um, you know, um, retailer covers a couple of years ago, and that's when I first met Stefan. And after I my, did my first couple of retailer covers, Stefan just called me directly and was like, "Listen, you want to just work directly for us and do covers directly for for AfterShock?" And that good relationship has always been super important to me like I, I i owe stefan a lot i honestly do um he's been instrumental in my career's development as well and he's always been a guy that's been you know a real believer that you know i remember three years ago he was like we gotta get you on a big two book like this has got to happen like this is ridiculous you know and and he's he's been he's been always in a tremendous ally in that way so i'm always grateful uh to, to have stefan as a part of my life in that uh in that capacity and and as a friend he's just just an awesome dude i'm, I'm lucky i got good people i know you guys i know justin i'm i'm you know, uh, yeah, I, I have to agree. Stefan's helped us out quite a bit and still is a little bit, you no, know, helping us out, trying to, you know, get other interviews through oh, people yeah. and stuff, you know, with his connection. So I have to agree that 
the group that is all here and, and I'm happy to have been uh, included in now is is a great group. I, it, we, it, it gets amazing things done. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Stefan's like maybe the most interesting guy I know in terms of like his just his work experience. I mean, the guy has literally done every kind of job you can imagine and he's skillful at it. Like he's he's a solid dude. He's probably he's probably going to be mad at me for saying all these nice things about him, but uh, or not saying more nice things about him. But that's uh, right. But yeah. <laughs> So, <laughs> anyway. So, and and I, uh, on the screen right now, Tyler has a picture of your Aftershock Happy Hour Chicken Devil oh, cover. Oh, cool. Yeah. Which, which is an amazing cover. It's probably my second favorite cover because, of course, <laughs> I, I like my Chicken Devil cover just a little bit more. Well, dude. But again, they're, they're very similar, but I, it's very awesome. <laughs> but um, why don't you, you got a good like portion of your drawing started there. Why don't you kind of explain the process there? Because I think a lot of people probably weren't familiar with the the transfer part there that okay. um, I'm aware of because I've seen you do these draws all the time so yeah sure so um, basically when it comes to doing blank variant covers I always aim to try to keep the book in as good as uh, shape as possible um, I work on a slanted table and my desk is ancient and filthy so I always try to put a clean surface down this is just a, a backing board here and um, basically I, I get the area kind of secure to you know to work on uh, you know, to work on the cover. And then I developed a sketch usually on a separate piece of paper. So in this case, I did a sketch of uh, The Last Ronin on regular kind of eight and a half by 10 printer paper. And um, once I get the drawing, um, once I get to a point where I'm kind of happy with the drawing, um, just the lines, I don't need to go too crazy with the shading or anything like that. Um, once I'm happy with that, I flip the paper over. And in this case, I don't have very much left, but I take a little tiny piece of white chalk and I basically rub the back of the drawing with this piece of chalk and I smooth it down with a with a piece of uh, uh, paper towel. So it's a not, I rub it down to get a nice, smooth, even surface. Can't show up here because it's white on white, but I used white on chalk, white so it would show up on the black. And then I basically flip the drawing back over, position it to where I want it to be, put two little pieces of tape to tack it down into place. And then I just take a very hard lead sharp pencil and I overdraw the line and I press a little bit harder just to actually make an impression uh, and transfer some of that white chalk dust onto the surface, which it gives me a, gives me something that if I want to make a major change, if I don't like how these how these nunchucks look on the side, and maybe I can take them out and erase them, and I can just actually remove them if I want to with the you know with the with the just a regular eraser, and it doesn't mar the page. Um, the problem with coming up with a sketch like this is very often um, sketches don't always come easily, and I don't want to have to do all my practice and 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 you know all the the things I'm struggling with. Um, I don't want the book to suffer that abuse. So I get all my frustrations and the drawing all worked out on paper first, which has no feelings and then, uh, you know, has no value. And then I basically transfer it onto a book. So, um, you know, this, this can now be just a nice clean finished drawing and, um, you know, the dam the book won't be damaged or, or heavily erased or, you know, some of, some of those covers are, are horrible to work on and um, they can take a lot of damage just from, you know, just from being erased on or penciled on too hard. Some don't even take pencil marks. Some are too slick to receive pencil marks. Right. Um, yeah, you guys might recall. Even, yeah, in Winnipeg, I remember finding it out yeah. when you were trying to sign Swamp, uh, Swamp Thing books. Well, the Swamp Thing things were special because they wouldn't even take Sharpie marker. And that was the first time I've ever seen that happen. That, that blew my mind. Um, so you ended up I, using blood, right? Sorry? 
he ended up using blood for those signatures, yeah. right? So. <laughs> yeah, blood. It was the only thing. You have to let it dry, too, you know. It's the only thing that sticks. But, uh, no, I ended up using these um, Molotow paint markers, which are basically like um, – uh, they're called a Molotow uh, One for All, and basically they they are acrylic paint that comes out in a thin line like a pen. So you and I have them in white and different colors like that. But with the Swamp Things, I was able to sign with those. I was also found out I could I could sign with the metallic, um, like the gold, silver, and bronze sharpies. The heavier metallic paint in them will actually show up on the surface. But yeah, when I signed it with a black sharpie, it evaporated right off the surface, and I was like, that was the first signature I did for the whole weekend, and I was. Like, I'm glad I found out before the show actually started because I was like, whoa, this is going to create some problems for me uh, this weekend. So, yeah, that I, was a think, little I think mine is signed in gold. I think the one that you gave me. So. Yeah. I think I ended up signing most of them in gold, yeah. And I've learned about those those metallic sharpies. They're a pain in the ass, but you know they actually um, they they work pretty well. It provided you store them capside down, standing up in a jar or something like that, or a cup um, where where you know the all the juice can kind of coalesce at the at the tip. Because otherwise, they can a brand new perfect te- uh, you know pen can appear to be dead because all of the ink is in the bottom half. But there's no way to really tell, right? It's just the way they're designed. Right. Um, so yeah, you pick things up, you learn things. <laughs> I got a little bit of a silly question. Well, not silly question, but something I found out the other day that was a little interesting. Now, mm. when it comes to signing like covers for books, like you're at a show and someone brings you up a book or they purchase mm-hmm. a book at the table and you sign it, do mm-hmm. you care what color your signature is in? Because I found out earlier this week through uh, for the George Perez signing that a lot of the old school guys will only sign in black. Yeah, um, I think there's. Um, I think the reason for that is the black is the most reliable one. Um, I think um, that might be. It might be as simple as that. Um, I, I will sign them in whatever color seems to fit. Like I typically will go with black. My favorite is actually there's a really dark navy blue that I used to sign all my stuff with. Um, it, it, was, it was just a little bit different than the black. It was just slightly slightly lighter and more blue. Um, it's. I, I have to grab another one because mine are all dried out. Um, but like depending on the cover, like for instance, the um, this cover here, the um, the last Ronin number number four. Um, this one here, I would sign in red because I mean the whole thing was just red except for the color, you know, figure of, of the Ronin here. Everything was red, so a red signature really popped. Um, when I was in um, when I was in Seattle with Stefan in 2017, we had two exclusives that weekend. Uh, one was a uh, aftershock uh, CBCS exclusive uh, for the show that was a green. Um, it was a green. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, um, well, I did two versions, but it was um, issue five of Animosity, and it was a, a Seahawk with a grenade. And one of them was one of them was just a full color version, and one of them was just the um, that was black and white, but the grenade was green, I believe. And I would sign that one in green, and it looked fantastic with a green marker, you know, green sharpie on it. But that same weekend, it, I had another issue five cover for Aftershock, which was a dog with, um, you know, the dogs that have the shiny uh, metal jaw grills on their faces, and yeah. there's a reflect, there's a reflection of uh, Sandor in the face, and it was in red. So I did all the signatures in red, and that really popped as well. So yeah, you know, it's um, it, when, when the opportunity comes for sure um you know I, I try to take advantage of it but most of the time it's just black or whatever whatever will actually stick to the surface uh, is seattle that's emerald city comic yeah. yeah 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 that's Have a good you, show. yeah that is a good show i've heard that actually 
Have you, uh, have your work is you know, very like fantasy based a lot, like you know, Conan's and like I said, the last Ronin's and you know, yeah. even your swamp thing, very fantasy like. Have you done any work for like heavy metal magazines? Oh man, I've always wanted to. Um, when I was sort of coming up, the idea of doing uh, work for heavy metal was a little bit outside my reality because, um, for one, I wasn't anywhere near good, and for two, um, they were only really in those days having um, European artists uh, contribute to that magazine, yeah. and very often it was just re it was republishing stuff that was like European indie stuff that was just going to be broken up into little eight-page vignettes that were told over the course of four or five issues of, you know, of of um, of heavy metal but man i loved heavy metal and now that it's an american it's a totally american publication um i know kevin it's owned by eastman it was yeah it, it was or yeah. is yeah i remember uh, i think he owns it now yeah yeah and um and no, i think eastman was also married to julie strain for a time and she was like the, the kind of the goddess of heavy metal in the 90s and early 2000s and um and so you know that might have had a that might have had something to do with that. Julie Strain was the star of the Heavy Metal 2000 movie and, and stuff like that. Oh, um, right, right. The, the animated one, yeah. Julie was a, a B a B B movie um, horror queen. Just just an amazing person. Um, I really I was really, I was a tremendous fan of hers. Um, and you know Kevin Eastman got to marry her, so that was pretty awesome. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that's that turtle box. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, no, that was I'd love to work for um, for heavy metal. Um, it's it's one I've always loved. I just love the image of the even just the main title image. And, you know, so many of my favorite artists went through that uh, went through that book. Um, so it's, you know, it, it's it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, that's a, yeah, that's kind of why I was wondering, because whenever I see. Uh, I know something mentioned about an artist that like oh I can't believe they got their start there like like even something like Peach Momoko who doesn't have like a you know a heavy metal type of art to her mm -hmm. she, she had work in there a really long long time ago so yeah no it doesn't kind of kind of strange yeah so. it's um it, I mean definitely the magazine took on some different dimensions I was I had a moment uh, I think it was 2015 or 2016 at uh, at New York Comic Con I was there and um, it, I remember it was a tough weekend we were in a tough position in the in the alley and um, it wasn't a great one for sales and I was kind of feeling a little a little heartbroken uh, towards the end of the show uh, just you know in terms of like you know my return my investment and everything else the the effort that goes into New York is like no other show and uh, oh, yeah. and anyway I remember. Um, just kind of being bummed out on the last day of the show and, you know, uh, sitting there at my table. Um, and uh, this dude, this really sharp looking dude in the suit walked by and stopped. Like he saw, I had this banner up and it was kind of like the space Viking character that I always usually have prints of in my, in my portfolio. It was kind of like a, um, it was done for a weaponizer magazine. Yeah. 2010. And it was, um, it's an image I've just, it's kind of been my banner image for a long time. Anyway, I had this banner up and, and the guy stopped and like stopped dead in his tracks and was like, whoa, I want this. What is this? I want to publish this. And I'm like, oh, hey, slow down. Uh, who are you? And he's like, oh, I'm the president of a heavy metal magazine and I really want to publish this. Is this a story? Have you got an eight page story that you can send my way? Because I'll print it. And it was just like that. And I was like, I don't. It's just a banner. But now you make me want to write a story and do it. Uh, 
and I got, <laughs> I got all lit up creatively by that moment because, you know, it was just a powerful enough image that it caught his attention and it made me feel like a million bucks for a minute, you know, and um, it kind of brought, it was a real bright spot to the weekend, even though nothing actually materialized, like I did get the guy's contact and everything was good. The problem was I didn't deliver on it. I, I wasn't in a position where I was able to work on it and create a, create a story. I had too much other stuff going on as is always the case. I was also the superintendent of a building in those days. So my time was very rarely my own. And, um, yeah, you know, it was, uh, it was kind of, yeah, it was, it was a kind of a bummer thing, but it was a good thing. It made me realize like, Oh, you know, don't give up. Cause you never know who's going to walk by. Like my very first publication in Conan, a dark horse was that same thing. You know, I'm, I'm sitting in fan expo Toronto and I'm just having to chat with this dude who just stopped at my table and his name tag was turned around. I couldn't see what it said. And he was just the nicest guy in the world. We were shooting the shit about Conan and everything was good. And he was flipping through my book and he was like, so what do you want to do? And I said, oh, I got this tiny little dream. You know, I, I want to draw a pinup for a savage sort of Conan. And he threw his head back laughing like it was just the most ridiculous thing I'd ever said. And he goes, well, I think I can help you with that. And I said, oh, yeah, who are you? And he goes, oh, and he turned his name badge around. And he's like, I'm Patrick Thorpe. I'm the editor of Conan at Dark Horse Magazine, at Dark Horse Comics. And it was just a random thing. I had no idea. I mean, shame on me for not knowing who he was. But, you know, you don't ever really see these guys' faces, right? So, uh, yeah, yeah. so that, was a, that was a really cool thing. And, um, and sure enough, true to his word, he, he contacted me and, um, you know, uh, shortly after Toronto. And, and um, you know, he, he said, hey, you want to do a pinup in issue nine? And that was it. And all of a sudden, I was getting publishing Conan and realizing that I'm going to have to stretch a little bit further because I uh, never thought something like that would ever come true for me. So, you know, that was so, uh, that was cool. Was that your first published work in a comic? That was my first published work in a Conan comic, and that was a major uh, bucket list for me. At that point, I think I had had a couple of covers. Like, I did one for Nailbiter for um, Image Comics, issue one. Oh, yeah. And I yeah. did one for The Wicked and Divine, issue one. Uh, also one for uh, Ray Fox, another great Canadian illustrator. Um, I did one for his book, Intersect. Um, and, uh, then there was kind of a dry spell. Like I did some stuff for Captain Canuck. Um, and then it was a while, it was a couple years later that I would eventually, you know, meet up with Stefan and, and the guys at, uh, Aftershock and, and, and get some covers going for Animosity and basically did a cover for pretty much all their books back in those days. So that was, a yeah. it's pretty cool. Yeah, I love all their stuff. Yeah, but it's even... hard to keep up with how many books they put out now. Well, yeah, <laughs> and it's yeah, all... I really love it. You still get most of them. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of amazing, and you know, I'm actually it's crazy. Like I didn't know. I kind of wanted to ease into 2022. I've been exhausted since. I've basically been exhausted since the pandemic began because it's been a, Justin's kept me on my toes, but you know, other retailers who, you know, I'm not really working with uh, so much these days. Like I'm, I'm fair. I'm, I'm exclusive to Justin at this point. Um, but you know, other publishers contact me, you know, like I never say no to publishers. So this last two months right. I've been working on a special project for dynamite comics, um, which I can't really talk about, but, um, that should be coming out pretty soon, and it, it's it, the, they're the main covers, as far as I understand, of this new series. So um, I'm getting to draw characters I've never drawn before, or some of them I never even I, heard of. Um, I, I I'm I'm pretty sure I think I might know what the project is because I, I know I, I have connections to Justin as well. Oh yeah. And if it is what I th and if it is what I think it is, it should do great. Um, I hope. I, so. I know I, I know it will. Um, do you have any other you know, stuff that's coming up that you want to drop some bombs on about yeah, us or anything? Uh, 
I've got three more covers for Aftershock this month. Um, which uh, this month, this month, yeah, oh. that's what I mean. I wanted to ease into 2022, and I don't, I don't think I'm going to get my wish. I, uh, I really, because here's the other thing: I'm also drawing Dodge, which is my book with Matt Nixon, right? And I'm, and, I'm working on that, um, like as we, well, I, I basically when I finish this sketch, I'll be, I'll be jumping back on and inking pages of that, and um, so that's uh, I've got my last four or five pages that I'm of that that I'm inking. I have a cover for that to do. And that's all I really wanted to do this month. Um, I've got one thing for Justin right now, which I'm kind of excited about, um, but I can't really talk about yet. And um, I, um, I have that and I have, um, I have the dynamite stuff, which is going to be like a monthly thing for a little while. And then I knew right. that aftershock was probably going to hit me up for a, a an aftershock uh, for a, a, a happy hour cover, but I didn't know they were going to hit me with three. So, uh, so all three are happy hours. <laughs> uh, as far as I know, I could be wrong. I haven't got a lot of details okay. yet. One of them might not be, um, okay. but uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited because um some of the creators attached to these books are, are ones that I'm a big fan of, and uh, I, uh, I'm really excited to see uh, see what happens with these. And it's outside of my normal realm of uh, you know of art, the stuff that I do. Uh, so I'm, I'm yeah. also a little bit nervous that I might not do it right. Um, but you know, it's it's uh, it's always a good challenge. Um, and uh, can, yeah, can you can you say the titles for the for the aftershock ones? I, or no? I can't right now. No, I can't, I don't think I can okay. because I don't know if they've like that's the weird thing about the happy hour stuff. I never actually know when they're going to release the happy hour things. Um, yeah, so like it's usually like a day or two before that they mention it. I, I, I always have too. a hard like I've never been able to get one of your books off the happy hour show. I either have to go through you or Stefan or Justin. So. Yeah, it's weird. Like, I uh, I don't know. Like, uh, for me, like, I always feel like as soon as we have approval on something, we should promote it and promote it and let people know it's coming. But, like, there's been times when I found out the day after that they released my, my, my happy hour cover. And, I mean, that's cool and everything. But, like, I have, you know, I'm not bragging or anything, but I have a decent following that I'm sure would be interested in getting those books if they knew they were coming. So it's kind of right. like we get we get blindsided a little bit when when uh, you know, like I actually put a request in this week to ask AfterShock, like when's you know when's the one that I did last month coming out because no one's seen that yet. Like no one's seen it yet. People have seen other covers for this series, but they haven't seen mine yet. And I don't know right. why that is. I don't know if it's not come out yet or if it's been delayed or what's going on. Um, but yeah, some of those happy hour things go crazy. Like that, the bunny mask one went crazy. Yeah. But, but the yeah. They all sell out instantly. Like I, I'll, yeah. I'll be sitting there even trying to watch the show and they'll do the link and stuff like that. It never works out for me. No, probably because I'm in Canada and stuff. It could be. <laughs> But I mean, yeah, I always have to go through, like I said, through you or, or through Justin or Stefan. But oh yeah, um, that when we when you do find out about though know, when they release and when they're going to uh, oh, put them up for sale and that, let us know and we'll throw oh, them up on our page too to promote it. Oh, of course, yeah, no, it's um. Uh, the one that went really crazy, and I didn't know anything about this series except that everything inside the series, everything, all the artwork looks incredible. Um, was the We Live. And yes, that one, that's a great series. That one, that cover that I did, which I actually didn't think was a very strong cover because I didn't feel like I really felt like I was playing in someone else's world, like in a way that I, in, in a bigger way than I normally feel uh, when I'm doing a variant cover uh, for somebody. Because the stuff that's in the Miranda Brothers book, uh, We Live, like the the uh, the artwork is just so uniquely theirs, and the storytelling is so uniquely theirs that when I went in and started playing with their monsters. I really was hoping I was doing them justice, you know, in a way that felt just kind of strange. So I actually changed my style up a little bit for that one. I went a little bit more bright and cartoony. 
And uh, yeah, it's a little different compared sold... to what you normally do, but it, it I mean it's great though. It's still like, it's very awesome lines. Like that one went for no reason. Yeah. It sold for it sold like in thirty in thirty seconds or something like that. It was sold out in, in less than three minutes or something like that, and I had no idea. And it was actually I was actually on the show, uh, or I was watching the show, and they just launched it. And then with before before Ruth Ann had even finished her intro about the book, I heard voice, Stefan's voice come in over the microphone saying it's just sold out. Like it's, yeah, it's that one and the uh, like you said the bunny mask one and yeah. also the uh, the last. Oh yeah, that one. So yeah, I didn't know how that one went. Um, Pretty sure um, it was sold yeah. out too. So. Oh wow, crazy! Yeah, that was a fun one too. Um, I don't know how they get around the Jason uh, copyright on that, but they 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 do, I guess. <laughs> it's it, it's like they say it's like a parody. Yeah, it's oh, like a copycat killer type, you know, type character. But uh, I love the artist of that, Andrew uh, Andreas um, Moody. Uh, is yeah. uh, saying his name wrong, but he's he's uh, he's well, awesome. That's okay. We say his name wrong all the time too, and and we're pretty much uh, guaranteed that he's going to be on the show soon. We're just waiting to oh. hear back from Stefan. Oh, awesome, man! Yeah, yeah, he's a super nice guy. He'll 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 be he'll be a great a great addition to your show for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so man. We're going to have a whole category on YouTube of not just Nat Daddy shows, but Nat Daddy shows interviews. Oh, cool. <laughs> right on. <Yeah. laughs> so your, your, your picture there, or sorry, your cover there is looking amazing, as always. That's the kind of work that you guys will be doing on the 15th for uh, the tag show, correct? Yes, as far as I know, Justin has got us some blanks uh, for number threes, and uh, he's mailed them out to everybody. So I think um, I think that's what the plan is. And uh you know, um, looking forward to that because um, everyone's got like a totally different style. I know that uh, Aaron does mostly kind of digital work, so I'm curious to see what what his drawing, uh, how his drawing will come out. I know he can draw. I see his amazing, uh, his amazing remarks that he does with those oil markers on uh, on Last Ronin's all the time. Um, so, yeah, he's he's a really solid painter. He really knows his color and light really really well. So it's always a pleasure to work with. Um, you know, people who are trained, people, people who like, you know, got their chops, you know, the right way and, and have, uh, you know, have just a great skill set like that. Um, I feel bad for Aaron, though. The guy had a bad fall a couple of weeks ago and shattered his hip. He's a young oh, no. man. Too. Yeah, he was just, he literally was carrying the baby, I think. And as he described it, he passed his baby off to his wife and the floors are hardwood floors. And he just kind of turned funny and he went ass over apple cart and landed hard on his hip and it shattered, shattered the femur head. Oh uh, which is a pretty, pretty awful break to get. Just about the worst break anyone could get. Um, and he's a young dude too, so um, yeah. you know it's well, a, just a really and, fortunate shatter, you know. But um, and, I think uh, he's and to have a young family to be at home too as well. Right? Well, yeah. And then like two days later, his puppy passed away or something like that. Like it was just a horrible, horrible week for him. And it was the same week that, of course, you know, Ronan Five got announced and. Yeah, man, it was just a, it was, it was just crazy. Like I just felt terrible for the guy. Um, so yeah, looking forward to catching up with him and getting to know him a little bit on the show. And uh, um, yeah, we're gonna have a turtle centric night, a, a, a turtle night for the turtles fans, I think. And um, yeah, I think it's gonna be good. Well, I know we'll be there. We won't be on the mic unless Justin decides to you know, let me jump on the show at some point. <laughs> Sounds like there's a, a lot of guests but it's, coming uh, already. We'll be there definitely in the chat room throwing out questions for all you guys because awesome, uh, we, we appreciate all your work. And, and I want to ask you one last question, Mike, but I want you to clear your mind for a second because I want you to answer it the, the first thing that comes into your mind. So all right. are you ready? Yeah. 
I know you've drawn like a lot of characters, and I know you've driven drawn a lot of your favorite you no know, dream characters. Who's someone you haven't drawn yet? For, uh, for work purposes, for work purposes, like for, for work for money. purposes. Um, one day I would like to crack the Marvel nut, and one day I would like to draw the Thing, Ben Grimm, for uh, you know, even just give me one one chance uh, to draw the Thing. And you know, the ironic thing was, I was sitting in the my childhood Comic Con uh, comic uh, shop uh, doing my my Swamp Thing signing a week after Winnipeg, and um, I'm sitting in there, and I see on the shelf that the Thing. Marvel has his own series again. And yeah, I was like, yeah. ah, damn. Like, I know it's a mini series, but I was like, the Thing series when I was a kid was my favorite. The Thing, Ben Grimm is my favorite character of all time. And I don't know that I'll ever get to work for Marvel, but he would be my guy if I had to pick anyone to draw. Even just one time in some capacity, uh, that would be a huge dream come true for sure. Well, if I ever get the chance and I find the, the appropriate blank, I'm going to get one that has you drawing the thing, doing a classic fighting scene with Casey drawing the Hulk. Oh, yeah, that's that's cool. the way to go. Casey yeah. and I have been talking for a long time about doing uh, about doing a pair up with um, or doing even a joint print like, you know, the thing in the Hulk um, where he draws he draws the Hulk and I draw the thing and we draw them in yeah. a draw it in such a way that I can, he can do the painting and then pass it off to me and then I can kind of finish it. Uh, yeah, that's with, what I mean. Yeah. Something like that would be really, really cool. Um, that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that'd be great. Yeah. Casey's a solid dude, man. He's a great, great artist as well. And, uh, you know, he's been doing some all kinds of cool stuff too. Like his stray dogs cover was great. And, um, that, um the swamp dogs cover that he did as well was really cool. And uh, the movie poster and, kind of stuff he's been and, on. And now, and now he's got the Valiant job. Yeah, yeah, that was a cool cover gig too. He put me on the cover, which is funny. I don't know if I can. I, 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 I saw that. Yeah. Or not, but uh, but <laughs> it was a tremendous honor for him to to think of me. That's <laughs> yeah, not the first time I've showed up on a cover. Nick Bradshaw once drew me on the cover of Conan the Barbarian uh, issue seven. Issue seven. That's and cool uh, too. yeah, it's a, I've had to sign a few copies of those, which is pretty fun. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. All right. Well, we, we've taken up like a, almost an hour of your time, but you did manage to get some work done. So I guess that's kind of oh, yeah. win-win for everybody. So, sure. Uh, we'll sign off here, but no, you hang around and we'll, we'll you know, finish off with you after we stop recording. Yeah. But anything else you'd like to say before we sign off to the uh, Nat Daddy world? Um, yeah, I mean, a message to anyone out there that loves comics and loves comic art and loves to support artists, you know, like you can support your favorite artists directly by contacting them or going to their shops and seeing if what they have for sale. But, you know, find out what artists are, what, what retailers these artists are working with and support those retailers because those retailers are what make it all happen for us. I mean, people want to support me directly. I tell them directly to go to bigcountrycomics.com or bigcountrycomics.ca in Canada because, you know, um, support. Supporting Justin and supporting uh, Big Country Comics and helping that company grow is what puts bread on my table. The trickle-down effect is real. It's it's a measurable thing. And uh, my life has been vastly improved. Um, but, you know, the retailers, and you guys know this because you are retailers, you know, it's a struggle. It's a hard struggle. Yeah. You get yeah. no support from the, from, the, from the publisher. You get no support from, you know, the social media venues that really should be supporting, uh, you know, small independent publishers and retailers. So, you know, it really for the you know the best support is always unfortunately and fortunately the dollar so if you're listening to this and you like my work go and buy some comics at big country comics go and buy them from people near you who sell you know comics that you know i've that i've been a part of or that hugh rookwood's been a part of or you That's know our friends, 
Yeah, like you guys. Yeah, Nat Daddy Collectibles, you know. Yeah. But like, you know, Justin, um, you know, uh, uh, Yellow Snow Comics, like uh, Tommy Lott, Yellow Snow rather, and Justin, you know, Big Country Comics. Like I owe these guys big time. And like I said, they've made they've made the good parts of, of this really weird life we're living right now. Um, they've they've made them absolutely splendid for me, and and uh, I'm really really lucky to be. Uh, you know, to, to have had these opportunities. And that's the best way I can thank them and the best way that you guys can support me. Cool. So how about you give us all your uh, social media credits there so people can follow you? Sure. I'm not posting a whole lot these days, but you can always find me on Twitter or Instagram at Uncouth Ruth. Um, and my Ruth is, uh, last name is Ruth, R-O-O-T-H, rhymes with tooth. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram that way. Um, and in Facebook, I'm just, you know, Mike Ruth on Facebook. I actually don't know how much longer I'm going to be on Facebook. So, you know, send me a friend request if you're listening to this. Uh, I'm sure the guys will have my name linked on the page or something like that when this airs. Yeah. So, you know, follow me, send a friend request. I'm usually pretty friendly that way and, uh, always happy to have uh, new people aboard. So, you know, yeah, that's how you find me. Awesome. All right, everybody, that was Mike Ruth. Uh, that, like you said, he does exclusively with Big Country Comics now, but he has done other stuff, and keep your eye open because he's, uh, I won't say he's an up-and-comer because he's an old guy like me, but he's definitely, getting, <laughs> he's definitely getting more and more work out there to the mainstream. So be appreciative and, and support everybody. Peace out. <laughs>